The Adam Crowley Show. Making my way downtown, walking fast, faces passing, I'm homebound. Should I go lower? Staring blankly ahead, just making my way, making a way through the crowd. On ESPN Pittsburgh. The Pirates, with Jordan Luplo in the lineup yesterday, actually won? It's a big deal. They're now ten and a half games behind the Milwaukee Brewers with a chance, if they sweep them, to get back by six and a half games. So tonight, the Pirates are pulling out all the stops. It's Dickerson. It's Marte. It's Polanco in the outfield. I don't see Luplo anywhere. But God only knows he'll get the first opportunity to pinch hit before one Austin Meadows. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Wimbledon is on my TV. They just showed a beautiful woman on the screen, and that means I want to run out and grab people's butts. Well, at least that's what FIFA would have you think. Brian LaMartina behind the glass. No Tom today. I'm sure he's shirtless somewhere in Mexico. He'll be back on Tuesday. Jason Mackey wrote a piece today for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette saying that the Penguins are thinking about using Broussard on the left wing on the first or second line. Yeah, not so sure I like that one. They went out and got Broussard because they didn't have center depth. They wanted to have the best three centers in the National Hockey League. Crosby, Malkin, and Broussard. Of course, best relative to their position. And I think that they achieved that. Now, Broussard didn't play well enough, but you brought him in to be a center. You should keep him at center. Tim Benz has been on record saying that he thought that this would be the case for a long time now. Jim Rutherford, as I mentioned, told Jason Mackey that that would be the case. They're at least going to give it a look. What I would do, I'd have Broussard as the third center. And I would then have Riley Shane as the fourth center. Hey, imagine that. And I'd have Matt Cullen play left wing on the fourth line. Matt Cullen, I don't think you want moving up and down the lineup. I don't think you want Riley Shane moving up and down the lineup. Broussard, I suppose you can move him up. He's averaged 21 goals each of his last five years. He's a very good player, a good scorer with great vision. But who are you moving? Are you going to move Jake Gensel off of Sidney Crosby's left wing? Uh, bleep no. Are you going to move Carl Haglin off the left wing of Evgeny Malkin? Uh, bleep no. Because it works. Haglin and Malkin and Hornquist is a great line. Malkin's possession numbers, not to go all analytic on you, but I will for a second here, are much better when he's playing with Carl Haglin because Carl Haglin is a puck retriever. So I don't think it works. I think it's fitting a square peg in a round hole. And to me, what it screams is Jim Rutherford did not do enough this offseason. I'm not a guy who likes to kill Jim Rutherford. He helped the Penguins win two Stanley Cups. He won a championship in Carolina. But his last offseason wasn't great. This offseason's been eh. Jack Johnson's just a guy. Matt Cullen is just a guy for $650,000. But it makes me think he still thinks, Jim Rutherford that is, that they're not complete. 
that they don't have enough left wings. We know they've got a surplus of right wings. Darren Neil Sprong is going to play, I believe, on the right side. You're going to have to flip someone. Don't take away from your center depth to do that. Riley Shane was fine as a third-line center last year, but you want more than fine. Matt Cullen can be your fourth-line center, but I think you want more than fine. Riley Shahan's my guy there. I think you keep things status quo, and you move some guys over to the left wing. You allow Matt Cullen to play left wing. Maybe Zach Aston reese slides up onto the third line, add a little sandpaper there. But no need, I think, to screw up your center depth and get Broussard all frazzled when you didn't even acquire him to do that in the first place. It's just flawed management. It'd be flawed coaching. You go out and you get this guy because you won a third-line center, and now you're going to have him as your second-line left wing? It doesn't make any sense to me. You didn't bring him in to be your second-line left wing. I still think he can be a damn good third-line center, and if that's the case, if they can drive possession that way, if Phil Kessel's on that line with Derek Broussard, it almost doesn't matter who the left wing is. If it is Zach Astonerese, I think he'll have problems keeping up, but I think he can be your puck retriever and your front-of-the-neck guy. Uh, I don't need to see this. I think it's just fiddling a little too much. It's probably something that seems like a good idea on July 13th, but when camp rolls around, maybe it's not all that good of an idea. The Pirates won yesterday, as I mentioned. We will be talking to Lance Lysowski of DKPittsburghSports.com coming up in about 14 minutes on the Crowley Show to talk about the Bucks and where they stand in the Mega Bowl, where they're three games up now on the Cincinnati Mega Bowl. Three games. Three games. They've extended their lead. But they're 10 games behind, as I mentioned before, to be factually accurate, 10 and a half behind the Milwaukee Brewers. As much as this is deemed the weak of importance by management, what happens if the Pirates do sweep Milwaukee? They're six and a half back if the Cubs stay at bay, which they probably won't. Let's just say for bleeps and gigs that they do stay at bay and the Pirates are then six and a half games back. Do you all of a sudden become buyers? Do you all of a sudden go all in to capitalize on trying to win the division this year? No. I said going into this week that the dumbest thing that management can do in anything is determine the success of a given project in just one week. And if the Pirates are going to, in this week, determine whether they're buyers or sellers, it means management's flawed altogether. But if they are going to allow that to happen, if they are going to be swayed by what this week brings, then if you're a Pirates fan, I think you should want to see the Pirates lose a couple of these games. Maybe I'm just so pessimistic that that's the only way I can look at it. But I don't see any upside in the Pirates getting to six and a half games back in Milwaukee other than to say we're six and a half games back in Milwaukee, and even then, you're still not catching Milwaukee. So if you're a Pirates fan, shouldn't you want them to lose? 412-922-2874. The best thing for this team is for them to sell, 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 sell. Sell. Sell, 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 sell. Sell everybody. Everybody you can. I'm holding on to Tyone, as I mentioned yesterday, and went to great detail. And I'm hanging on to Austin Meadows. That's it. That's the list.
Josh Harrison, good dude. All right, ball player. Had some great moments in Pittsburgh. See you later. David Freeze, doesn't seem like a great dude. Doesn't seem like he's great in the clubhouse. Hasn't had many great moments. See you later. Although he does like Tool, which gets him points with Tim Benz, but maybe it's because Benzie's a Tool. Sorry, Tim, I don't know why I took you out there. My bad. Polanco, see ya. Marte, see ya. Everybody, see ya. And if this week determines whether or not you do hold on to these players, then by God, Pirates lose a few. Lose a few. That's all they'd have to do is lose two out of the four. Hell, if you lose one out of the four, maybe management can say, eh, we're going to sell. But if you're six and a half back and you've won six games in a row and you've got momentum at the All-Star break, maybe Neil Huntington gets talked into in his own mind thinking that this team can contend for first place in the NL Central or maybe a wild card spot. And that's the worst thing that could happen. Now, all that being said, I think when Neil Huntington stated that this was an important week, he knew he was blowing smoke. I think he said that because he felt like the fan base needed to hear that the Pirates still considered themselves somewhat on the precipice of being in this race. I think he said it knowing that Pirates fans needed to hear it and saying it knowing that it probably wouldn't wind up amounting to anything. I think he said it knowing that the Pirates were going to find a way to lose a couple of games against the Brewers. I mean, Yvonne Nova is going to go tomorrow in this doubleheader, and then they've called up a young man to pitch the other game. It's just, it's just not going to work out for him. And I think that that's for the better. What do you think? 412-922-2874. And if you are a Pirates fan who is all geeked up about this series meaning something, it doesn't. It does in the grand scheme of the Mega Bowl. Mega Bowl! Obviously, that matters. They're three games up on Cincinnati at this point. And now their run differential is nine runs better than Cincinnati. Yeah, Mega Bowl. Mega Bowl! But in the grand scheme of contention, it don't mean Jack Bleep. It doesn't mean anything. If you're a Pirates fan who's going down to the ballpark, hey, God bless you. You're an idiot, but God bless you. You're going to get all geeked up for the Pirates' big-time series against the Milwaukee Brewers, but... Even if the Pirates were to sweep them, fall six and a half games back with momentum going into the All-Star break, there's still one thing you're not really considering. There's still one thing you're not thinking about enough. And that's that these are the Pittsburgh Pirates. And they're just not going to win anything anyhow. It's just not going to happen. St. Louis is sitting there right now at six and a half games back. They're 47 and 44, and they're probably thinking to themselves, yeah, we're... Really not in it. Do you think that the Pirates are going to shave off ten and a half games from Milwaukee by the end of the season? Do you think they're going to shave off nine and a half from the Cubs before the end of the season, even if they sweep these next four games? No, absolutely not. The math doesn't work out here. If the Pirates want to make the playoffs, usually the wild card, the second wild card, can sit around, what, 86 wins? Something like that in that area, in that neighborhood? Well, the Pirates have 44 right now. So they need to win 42 more. So you're going to go like 42 and 28. My math could be horrendously wrong there. I didn't do it before the show. I was too busy looking for our ball that somebody stole from our studio. Hope he's okay. Spalding. 
If you see our ball, give us a call, too, 412 Or you can drop the ball back off. I posted it on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. 200 Fleet Street, that's the address. Somebody nabbed our ball. But if you are ten and a half games back now, and you got to shave all that off, you got to win 42 games. And that's not even for the division. For the division, oh, God. For the division, you got to win 50 games the rest of the way. I don't think 94 wins does it. But, hey, let's throw a 50-burger up there and let's see if you can get the 94 wins. It just, guys, it's just not going to happen. They'd have to go on an unbelievable tear, and how would that happen? All the pitchers would have to pitch better than they have, but I've seen enough to know that that's not going to happen. Maybe Tyone will take a step forward. He is throwing the breaking ball a little bit more. But they're not going to be able to put things together in order for this series to matter as much as you think it's going to matter because the general manager told you it matters. And that's what makes me the most upset is that for the young people out there who still have belief, for the rabid Pirates fans that just love baseball so much they're going to support the Pirates no matter what, Neil Huntington saying that gave you a little bit of hope. And all that it could possibly bring you is a six-and-a-half game deficit. That's it. That's that's the hope he was peddling. And that, to me, is just... He's just saying it to be dishonest. I mean, that's all that is. That's being dishonest. That's lying. That's knowing that the Pirates aren't going to do what you want the Pirates to do and saying maybe they'll do it anyhow. It ain't right. But hey, at least there's the Mega Bowl. Mega Bowl! At least there's that. Three games separating the Reds from the Pirates. After the All-Star break, we're going to talk to the people from Cincinnati. Stretch run. Going to make a nice little bet with Mo Egger and James Rapian from ESPN Cincinnati. They think the Reds are coming on. They're not, though. They lost one. The Pirates won two in a row. <gasps> Mega Bowl! Coming up next, we talk to Lance Lysowski at DKPittsburghSports.com about the Mega Bowl and about this series. Does it actually matter? I say no. And who is going to get moved? It's the Crowley Show. Mega Bowl! Staples knows running out of ink is no way to do business. Help keep your business working and your printers printing. Go to Staples for a huge selection of HP ink and toner and find your ink in stock every time and at a low price every day so you can meet every deadline. Staples. This guy just tweets me right now. He goes, did you just say on your radio show that you think Derek Broussard can still be a damn fine third line center? Is anybody on the planet (laughs) saying anything contrary? Well, I think when the general manager says that he's going to get a shot at second wing, left wing, yeah, I think that that... This report is brought to you by the new Sturman and Larkin Ford. The Adam Crowley Show. Love you, 970 ESPN. It's It's Adam Crowley, I think it is. He's a good guy. He really is. He's a good host. I enjoyed me, you know, and now we're talking about a weekly spot of the show. And I'm just telling Adam, I better be picked. Freebies are up. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Scott tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Did you just say on your radio show that you think that Derek Bassard? Oh boy, Bassard, Bassard. Thank you. 
Did you just say on your radio show that you think Derek Broussard can still be a damn fine third-line center? Is anybody on the planet saying anything to the contrary? Yeah. Plenty of people didn't love the move at the time. If you remember the whole Ian Cole fiasco. Oh, we can't lose Ian Cole. Oh, my God. Then he had 12 points in 26 games. Oh, yeah, and does the general manager live on this planet? Because he told Jason Mackey that he's going to get a look in the top six at left wing, which would mean that he didn't like the job he did at center last year. Thinks he could help the team more at left wing. So, yeah, thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. All those people are on this planet. But we talk Pirates now. It's Mega Bowl season. Mega Bowl! Lance Lazowski at DKPittsburghSports.com now joins us on the show. Lance, how you doing today, pal? Doing well, Adam. Getting ready for the uh, All-Star game and this final weekend of baseball until, you know, I guess they're going to start trading veterans. I don't know. Well, from what I hear, Lance, this is a big week for the Pirates. It, but is it really? Adam? No. <laughs> it shouldn't be. Now, any not. Any general manager that says one week's going to make a difference between being a buyer and a seller Obviously, doesn't have a good enough plan, so I, I don't buy it. Best case scenario is they win the next four games, Chicago stays where they are, and the Pirates wind up six and a half games back. But even then, uh, does it that even matter? Well, yeah, I mean, if you're Neil Huntington, you look at your roster and you tell you ask yourself, can this team actually contend in the second half, or actually maybe even win one playoff game if they're lucky enough to catch lightning in a bottle and do that. No, they can't. And they're not one or even two players away from doing so. And this team's not interested in trading prospects for rentals or, or buying at the deadline. No, it, it wouldn't make any sense. The team's not good enough. So it's, it's time to tear it down. It didn't work out. And it looks like finally some of the players they are going to end up trading are starting to hit a little bit and might actually have some value at the deadline. Albeit not very much value. <laughs> so who do you think's all on the block? Do you think Marte and Polanco are guys they consider trading? Not yet. Marte's an interesting one because he's 29 years old, and a lot of his value is tied up in his defense and his base running, and those are two facets of his game that, of course, are going to kind of go down the drain as he turns 30 years old. But not quite yet. I think it's Mercer, Freeze, Harrison, Dickerson, Cervelli, Maybe Ivan Nova, if somebody's willing to take him off their hands. So it's going to be interesting here because I don't know how much they'll get in return for certain guys, especially Josh Harrison. That's a pretty interesting one. Yeah, I think so too. And I think this is what they should be doing. I think that those are guys they should move. I'd be okay moving Marte and Polanco too and doing a true teardown. Uh, I wonder what they could get in terms of prospects for either of them, but since it, you say it's not going to happen, then I wonder what they could get back for guys like Harrison, Freeze, Dickerson, Mercer, Cervelli. I think some, uh, most of the returns, you know, I'm thinking specifically of Mercer, Harrison, and Freeze, are going to be lottery ticket-like prospects. The one example I can give you is the Tony Watson trade last year. You get two guys who are 18, 19 years old in the Gulf Coast League, and you hope that you know, the upside translates to actual on-the-field production, which it did last year with O'Neill Cruz, the shortstop they got in the Tony Watson trade. That one's worked out. Others haven't. So, again, they traded, They waited too long to trade Harrison. They should have done it in the offseason, but his trade demand, I guess you can call it, that letter that he <laughs> kind of released, took away all their leverage in negotiations, so they didn't have much of a choice. But now is the time that if they hold on to these guys into the offseason, 
you're going to have a very similar situation like you had with Andrew McCutcheon last year where everybody knows you got to trade them, so you really don't have much of a choice, especially with Mercer being an unrestricted free agent. you got no choice. Lance Lezowski, DKPittsburghSports.com, joining us here on the Crowley Show. What's the deal with Luplo getting all this playing time? I see he's not in there today, but uh, you reward Austin Meadows for coming in and getting a nice pinch hit, and then you get Luplo in the lineup for the next two days. I don't get it because Clint Hurdle's well, he's always been very patient with a guy who struggled. He actually goes out of his way to put struggling hitters in the lineup. You remember last month, Sean Rodriguez started three games in a row. And in an attempt to get him out of the slump he was in, didn't work. You know, getting hurt, I guess. And um, but this time around, to keep a young player, 23 years old, former top prospect, a guy who's going to be part of your future beyond this season, unlike many of the players in this lineup, and you keep him on the bench for Jordan Luplo, who's not really a prospect, doesn't make much sense. I understand you want to gauge Luplo's value, but you're going to have that opportunity in a few weeks when you're likely going to trade Corey Dickerson. So let's be honest here, and you're only hurting a play a young player's confidence and. Austin Meadows isn't going to make any adjustments hitting in the cage or in batting practice. He has to do it in games, and you're right. And the two hits the other night were both infield singles. That's fine. Jordan Lupo hit lefties, lefties pretty well in AAA. That's fine. But Austin Meadows hit real major league pitching for over a month. And <laughs> nationally, rookie of the month for uh, despite playing only 13 games, the talent's real. I just don't understand. This guy's part of your future, and to just do what they're doing to him, it's kind of a shame. He's one of the few bright spots, you know, in the first 90 games of the season. If you're not going to play him, you got to send him down then. You have to, and he's going down. I mean, the all-star break is Monday. I just don't know why they're taking so long. You know what the corresponding move is going to be, though, Adam? Sean Rodriguez is going to return to Pittsburgh in exchange for Jordan Loop in exchange for Austin Meadows going back to AAA. I'm not sure that one's going to go over so well with the fan base here. Spoiler alert, it's not. Uh, and there's no market for him either, and it just no. seems like... They're married to him either way. I don't feel. I feel like they're not going to designate him for assignment at any point. Well, if they were going to, they would have already done right. it. Um, sometimes teams do this with a older player, give them that extra opportunity to try to save face, especially since he's a leader. He's well liked in the clubhouse. He has Andrew McCutcheon's locker stall from last season. I don't really know how if you want to cut ties with him. He's very close with Neil Huntington. You know, Neil Huntington went out of the way to take a gamble on Sean Arias a year ago and. It hasn't worked out, but now is the time that they don't have a backup center fielder if Austin Meadows goes down to AAA. So I guess you give Sean Rodriguez two more weeks to figure this out, and, and if you cut ties with him, he's not going to catch on elsewhere. It's, his value is completely gone, and I'm not so sure that he can still hit major league pitching. Not that it matters, but it looks like the bullpen's okay. It is. I mean, they have four guys that they can trust at the moment, That those being Felipe Vasquez, Kyle Crick, Edgar Santana and Richard Rodriguez. The problem is, though, Adam, is the other guys. Steven Brault's been a complete mess for the past few weeks. Tyler Glass now ERA is almost five. I mean, as electrifying as he is at times, he's also been erratic still. Michael Feliz, who they got in the Garrett Cole trade, isn't good. He's really struggled, and it's probably coming time where you might need to send him to AAA or do something with him. Those three guys you really can't trust at the moment. And, again, yeah, there's silver linings there. Um, but... This team kind of is what it is. There is young pitching with talent, but it's volatile. You never know what you're going to get any given night, and the same can be said for the rotation. Who knows how Nick Kingham is going to pitch tonight? He was good last time out, but this is what you do when you rely on young pitching. You're going to get (laughs) – it's kind of a flip of the coin any given night. The last couple for Tyon looked very good. Why? 
I just think he's a good pitcher. I and mean, when you look at the, if, I mean, yes, the line hasn't always been great. He's he hasn't allowed more than three earned runs since May twenty second in Cincinnati. But he's been much better than the line has usually shown. You know, he'll get pulled, inherited runners get you know score when the reliever goes in. He started throwing that slider in late May. That's made his curveball even better. The fastball command's been really good. Now he's not pitching to contact. He's really throwing that two-seamer. He's throwing four-seamers high and inside. He's challenging guys. He just has a lot of confidence right now. They have to love what they've seen out of him. And, you know, for the one thing, for all that's gone wrong, I think the Pirates have found a nice little foundation for the rotation right now with Tyone, Musgrove, and maybe even Nick Kingham. We'll see how he continues to develop as the season goes along. Well, I was going to ask what you think the – it, what there is that people should be excited about moving forward? Because we're going to see a lot of names off this roster, and I guess the prospects that are brought back, the players that are brought back are going to be worth watching. But, man, I, I'm not excited for much else. The three names you mentioned in the rotation, I, I can get behind that. Uh, Josh Bell's having a sophomore slump. Uh, I was excited about him. Now I'm a little bit nervous. He's not going to turn out the way that they want him to turn out. So what else is there for Pirates fans to really wrap their arms around? There's really not a whole lot. Elias Diaz has, has shown that he That's can be true. a starting catcher. I really like his development. He's one guy that they can build around for the future. But Josh Bell, just the regression you've seen from year one to year two has to be concerning. Colin Moran, he's been okay at times, but he's a below-average defender. He's in a real slump right now. He's just not hitting for any power. I'm not so sure how long he's going to be given the opportunity to hit cleanup. And, okay, Kevin Newman will come up when Mercer's traded, but I think he's just another version of Mercer. There's, you know, not a whole lot there. The prospects that are exciting are lower in the in the minors. Mitch Keller just started in AAA. So I think if they trade these veterans, Adam, you're going to see more playing time for guys like Jose Osuna, Max Moroff maybe, Adam Frazier could come back up, Jordan Luplo. Because what Neil Huntington needs to figure out is who's going to be complementing the current core that he has. He still likes Josh Bell. He still likes Colin Moran. Still likes the outfield. But who's going to be the bench players? Who's going to fill in the other spots on the roster? Because those former prospects were still in AAA. They're running out of options. And now it's time. Okay, are they actual major league players or are they not? With Bell, is this just a sophomore slump? Do they still have high hopes for this young man? You have to because the, the talent's still there. I mean, hitting... Hitting the way he did as a, as a rookie isn't a fluke. The power's there. He's still making contact. The problem is, though, he, they're shifting him more. He's grounding into the shift a lot. The contact just hasn't been solid. It's just a tick off at times. The patience is there. I mean, he's drawn some walks, right. done some good things, but the defense still needs a ton of work. And, yeah, I mean, the power production something. I mean, he was talking about hitting, you know, driving 100 runs this year. And to fall as short as he has, and for nobody to really give a clear explanation as to what's gone wrong, there has to be some serious concern right now when it comes to how the coaching staff is getting these guys out of these slumps because this guy has all the talent, all the talent, in you know for a first baseman, but it just hasn't translated. Lance, any reason to think that Hurdles on the hot seat? In the four-year extension was signed, he's getting paid no matter what. I mean, just given how this ownership group operates, you know. I don't think he's going anywhere. And why? If so, you wouldn't have signed him to the four-year extension. I think you could have found reason to maybe move on from last year, just you know, clean slate. But I think him and Huntington aren't going anywhere. And um, you can blame Clint Hurdle. 
for certain things throughout the year, there have been little hiccups here or there. But honestly, I think he was just given a, a, a roster that wasn't good enough to compete. And I think that Neil Huntington hit the nail right on the head by taking some ownership for that. But there's also a player development piece. I think that you didn't take a close look at the coaching staff, especially just how they're teaching these hitters to, to really respond to when adversity hits. Because these guys get into really long slumps. Ray Searage shouldn't go anywhere. Justin Message, the assistant pitching coach, shouldn't go anywhere. But it's time to take a long, hard look, not only how they're developing guys in the major leagues, but throughout the minor league system. Because the prospects right now, when you look throughout the system, it's just not good enough. All right. I won't tell anybody if you don't tell anybody. So I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to put you on the spot. And I don't need you to answer it if you feel uncomfortable answering it. But I'm going to ask you anyhow. Do you like Clint? Adam, thanks for having me on. I always appreciate it. <laughs> Last couple of things for Lance Lysowski here. Uh, surprised at the Pirates being sixth in TV ratings. Uh, yeah, but it, it's really funny, though, because as much as a lot of these fans say they don't care, they still care. They're watching from a distance and just looking at how many people read like my coverage on DKPittsburghSports.com. It's still very consistent. And actually, I think more people are reading this year than there were last year. It's but it's, they're not vocal about it. They don't like to admit it. But, yeah, I, there's still a fan base that cares here. That's why they're as outraged as they are with some of the things that have gone on over the past two years. All right, now here's the real last thing for you, and I just want to hear your reaction here. Uh, this is some breaking news. Uh, Murray State Athletic Director Alan Ward has resigned his position, and now his replacement, her name is Velvet Milkman. You're making this up. I would never make things up. Velvet Milkman. She's a woman, though. Well, you gotta, if you're, okay, if you're a, a smaller, what, D1, you know, FCS, university, whatever you want to classify Murray State as, why not shake it up and hire somebody with a fun name because what else do you got going on for you, right? Well, she better not screw up because then people will actually know now. No one cares about Murray State. That's a very memorable name, Adam. It's not, and it's it's one that I guess if there is a, a radio talk show host in that area that uh, <laughs> gets up in arms about Murray State athletics, um, they're gonna for, they're gonna remember that one who they who they can uh, voice their grievances about. Really appreciate the time, Lance. Thank you for uh, not answering that one question. Yeah, I do what I can, Adam. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and there he goes, Lance Lazowski, DKPittsburghSports.com, Velvet Milkman. Sounds like a chick that would be in an Austin Powers movie. Like, yes. Hey, baby. Yes. <laughs> it's the Velvet Milkman. I've done a help hump a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, like in the next sequel, maybe. Yeah, I think that they are coming out with another one. You got to be a horrible parent to name your kid Velvet Milkman. I'm just saying. Well, Milkman is kind of cool, but you you call her Velvet. Yeah, I mean, you're, stu- you're stuck with the last name, but Velvet, that's on the parents. Yes. Velvet Milkman. They always used to joke that, oh, maybe it's the milkman's kid. Well, if there were some affairs going on, hey, do you, really do you, could be. Do you think there's like a silk milkman, like her her brother Silk? Oh shoot, we okay. Valor milkman. Okay, we need to effort milkman. <laughs> we need to effort her. Poly, polyester is the kid that everybody hates. Cotton milkman. Yeah, cotton milkman. Oh no. Jesus. All right, well we'll talk we'll try to get her on the program just to ask her about her sibling siblings names and her parents names. I I need the whole milkman story by the time Tom's back here on Tuesday. We're going to put Tom on the milkman, okay? We're going to make that happen. The cool kids leather milkman. Coming up next. There are many reasons to not like the NFL and the flag kneeling really shouldn't be one of them. It's a Crowley show.
It's Window Nation's buy one, get one free sale. That's right. Buy one window, get the second one absolutely free. Plus, call Window Nation today and get 0% financing for 36 months. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Dude, I've checked every room, every room, and I can't find that ball anywhere. Somebody stole it. They had to, they had to steal it. Well, it's possible Spalding just went out for a walk and then got blown away. Well, he's got a mind of his own. I know that, but I'm telling you, something's a foul. There's foul play afoot here. Someone took him. I think it was. I think I know who it is too. Honestly, this report brought to you by State ESPN Park. Pittsburgh traffic. He's a trigger warning waiting to happen. This is the Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. This Scott guy keeps coming after me about the Broussard thing on Twitter.com, at underscore Adam Crowley. I said in the first segment that I still think that Derek Broussard can be a damn fine third-line center and that that's the capacity he should be for this team. And he said, is there anybody on the planet saying anything to the contrary about whether or not he can be a third-line center, a good third-line center? And yes, there are. At the deadline, when the trade was made, people said, no, no, Ian Cole, no, don't go. And then they were hypercritical of him from that point forward. And they actually had a reason to be because he only produced 12 points in 26 games. So he didn't work out last year as a third-line center. I'm saying I still think he can. Others don't believe he can't. Case in point, plenty of people want to see this dude get traded for a left wing. Plenty of people want to see him get moved out for Max Pacioretty. I don't know why the Canadians would do that. I don't know why they'd want to bring Pacioretty, uh, pardon me, Broussard in. But a lot of Penguins fans want to see Pacioretty in Penguins uniform. And therefore, they're thinking that the guy you move is Derek Broussard. Because Haglin's not going to work there because he's on a one-year contract and you're not going to be able to get anything in return for him. You get a much bigger haul, obviously, in return for Pacioretty. Now he says, I think you're missing the point. I think Rutherford absolutely believes Broussard is a solution for third-line center. He's just looking for a solution at wing on the second line. But you asked whether or not anybody said that he can't work out at 3C. Plenty of people want to see him get traded. He didn't work out last year. Period. I think he can this year. I think he was finally starting to get it when he got hurt. Last year he had a six-game point streak, got hurt, wasn't the same player after that because he never got fully healthy. If it's the middle of the regular season, he's got time to recover, and they probably allow him to sit out a little bit longer. But he comes back, he's not the same player, and that's why I think he'll be fine this year. I think he can work out with Phil Kessel. People don't think he worked out with Phil Kessel last year. I think he can. I think he's got the vision and the speed to keep up with Kessel. And I think if it's Sprong, or pardon me, not Sprong, if it's Zach Aston Reese on the left wing, then you've got your guy who can go to the front of the net, the guy who can go to the dirty areas. And I don't think that he's a great defensive player at this point, but I think Zach Aston Reese can warm to the task. And that's my third line. And your solution at left wing isn't that big of a deal. You don't have to find a solution there because your top two lines you like what you have at left wing. Yet Gensel and Haglin. Haglin's not a great regular season player, but he doesn't have to put up a bunch of points when he's on a line with Malkin and Hornquist. He just doesn't have to. He could play good defense. He is a threat 
Every time he's on the ice because of his speed, he'll go to the corners. He's a dog on the forecheck. I don't think that's that big of a problem. Now, maybe the Penguins just want to move him because it's his last year. It's his lame duck season. But I want to keep him around. So those first two are set. Your fourth line left wing is set with Cullen, and then you figure it out on the third line. But again, if you've got Broussard and Kessel there, that guy's just going to have to do the dirty work anyway. The Penguins roster is not as flawed as people think the roster is, including, I think, the general manager. If the general manager is trying that hard to shoehorn a third-line center who's never in his life played wing into that left-wing spot on the second or first line, I think that's saying, eh, I'm not crazy about the left-wing spot. But I don't think he needs to feel that way. I think they're fine. They've got more than enough scoring depth. They've got more than enough talent. If the left wing's a little bit weaker and you've got stacked right wing and stacked at center, I think you're okay. 412-922-2874. There are big rule changes hitting the NFL, but there's also unprecedented (laughs) referee turnover. Former NFL officiating supervisor Jim Dapopoulos, think that guy's Greek, he said, quote, I have a concern about the level of officiating because of the inexperience out there and with the new rule changes. You've got so many things that the young officials are going to have to learn and the veteran officials are going to have to learn. It's going to be a very interesting year, and I think Al Riveron has really got his hands full. It's going to be really tough. You think about the experience he's lost this year and trying to replace these guys, it's going to make for some tough Sundays watching football. A couple of referees just retired kind of out of the blue, including Gene Steratore. I know he was dealing with back issues. Got my sources there. He's dealing with back problems. So he retired. They lost another guy they weren't expecting to retire. And yes, there is going to be turnover. That being said, they're not all that good to begin with. Now, Gene Steratore was. Gene Steratore is a good referee. But when you are losing experience bringing young guys in and the rule changes are going to be implemented this year in terms of catching the football and otherwise, yeah, that is going to be a problem. So that's another reason why I think in the National Football League, the viewers aren't quite where they used to be. I think the biggest reason is because it's just an oversaturated TV market. Uh, Ratings are kind of down all around sports and kind of down all around in everything because there's so many damn things on at the same time. There's so many things you could be doing on a Sunday in terms of television that maybe football is not the thing that's at the top of your list. There are so many things going on on Thursday night television that maybe football is not quite at the top of your list. You can still like football, but you're going to find something else. I, I think that's the biggest issue. But if we're all going to agree that the product isn't great, that's one of the reasons right there that it's not. It's just not. How many times does a ball get thrown in the air and a play gets made and you can't cheer because you're waiting for the laundry to be on the field? How many times does that happen? Five, six, seven, eight times a Sunday? For me, I don't cheer at all if my defensive back makes a play in the football because I just don't know. I have no clue. No idea whether it's going to be pass interference or not or illegal contact or if something's going to happen where there's going to be a flag on the ground. So that, to me, is a big reason. But there are other reasons, too. And none of it, for me, has to do with the kneeling. And for you, if it has to do with the kneeling, I can't help you. I mean, you're just lost. They're not protesting the national anthem. I don't feel like getting into that. But if that's your reason, come on. The other reasons seem more legit to me. Offensive line play. Not that good. It's not where it used to be because you're getting offensive linemen coming from college who don't have their hand in the ground, who are playing in spread offenses that aren't developing 
the way that you need them to develop. Matt Williamson's come on a million times and talked about it. We talked to Mike Munchak about that. There are still good players to be found, but they're raw when they come in. And then they're kind of starting from scratch, so that's not good enough. Defense isn't played the same as it was 10 years ago. Tackling doesn't seem to be as good. You just don't have enough time. And then, of course, there's concussion awareness. I'm more woke to the fact that these guys can suffer serious brain damage than I've ever been before. I realize people want to make the anthem controversy a huge deal, but to me, it's those things. Oh, yeah, and then guys like Greg Hardy getting a second chance in the league. I don't think that the majority of NFL players are bad people. Mark Madden does. I don't think the majority of people in the National Football League are bad dudes. I mean, I probably wouldn't want to hang out with them. I've got nothing in common with them. I I wasn't a jock in high school, and these guys have grown up as jocks, and now they're literally the jocks of our society. So I probably wouldn't have anything in common with them there. But they're not all gangsters. They're not all doing these terrible things. But the perception is that they are. And one of those reasons is because the NFL did it to themselves. They're going to suspend everybody who blows a little marijuana test. I guess pees in a cup and then they come back with it. You get what I'm saying. Anybody who comes up green in the pee test, that guy is all of a sudden looked at as a thug. And that's not a word that should be thrown around for something like that. But that is, I think, the perception of NFL players, that there's a bunch of bad dudes. And even I tweeted it out the other day. When Pac-Man Jones gets in a fight at the airport, you kind of just roll your eyes and say, okay, typical. And when the LaShawn McCoy stuff comes out, horrific as it is, you say, okay, typical. We saw what Ray Rice did. Very literally saw what happened there. You know what, who's the guy who killed himself? Aaron Hernandez, you hear about what he did. And the perception is that these guys are bad dudes. I, I think all of that, all that, Wrapped up into a nice little ball is why the NFL ain't where the NFL wants to be. And the refereeing thing to me is just the tip of the iceberg. But when you look at the game itself, the refereeing is horrendous. The rules themselves can be horrendous. And it's going to drive people crazy. It just absolutely is. 412-922-2874. I saw Colin Dunlap, whom I like from the station across the street, He tweeted out today that Pac-Man Jones has CTE because if he didn't, well, why is he acting like Pac-Man Jones? I've seen dozens of people make the same claim on my timeline on Twitter.com, and he's probably right. Yeah, Pac-Man Jones probably does have CTE, but why do we always have to assume that now and give that as an excuse? I don't like that. Yeah, especially in a situation like that when the airport employee was clearly the aggressor. You know, like it's... I mean, it was almost like a self-defense thing. I I mean, not like he was ever in trouble or he was going to get hurt or maimed or anything. But, I mean, it's like he came out and still we're making excuses why he got into that. Right. You know, any grown man shouldn't get in a fight in an airport. But, hey, okay, Pac-Man's a little weird. He does. But that's not a CTE issue right there. Sure, he has it. I'm sure you can make an argument that maybe it is, but why do we always have to go to bat for these guys and use that as the excuse? Like LaShawn McCoy, if guilty of what he's accused, should he be given the benefit of the doubt because he plays football? How about Greg Hardy? How about Darren Sharper, who raped women? Aaron Hernandez did have one of the worst cases of CTE that they'd seen at his age. But does that mean he murdered who he was accused of murdering and convicted of murdering? Because of the brain damage? Should that have been excused? I don't know. I don't like that being the first thing that's said, though. 
You know, imagine Johnny Cochran back in the day getting a hold of this. Jeez. You know, during the OJ trial. Like, for real. That would have been front and center right there. It would have been CTE and all this science to confuse everybody. And, I mean, they would have got him off on that probably. It sounds like excuse making. Maybe it's valid. But if a guy beats a woman, I ain't giving him a pass. No, no pass. Nope. Like, did Michael Vick set up a dog fighting ring because he's a football player? Come on now. No, uh-uh. That's because of the people he was hanging out with and how cool he thought he was. Exactly. Coming up next, Alan Saunders. He writes for every damn outlet in town, including the Associated Press. He knows his shiz when it comes to pit football. Pit football was just ranked 95th in terms of their athletic program. I want to get his thoughts on how they're moving in the right direction. We'll kick some of the pirate stuff around with him as well. You're listening to The Crowley Show. Defend your vehicle from harmful elements and restore shine with Armor All Canister Wipes. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up two Armor All Canister Wipes for $8. Easily remove dirt, dust, and grime with Armor All Canister Wipes. Buy two for $8 at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You know what just popped up on my Twitter feed, man? What? What? Greg Brown is the losingest broadcaster in all of Major League Baseball. <laughs> <laughs> He's got t- 2,133 called losses in his 25 seasons as broadcaster. Uh, you got to start taking that into account, right, when you hire a new broadcaster? I, I think you do. You see the win-loss total. <laughs> oh, man. Now his winning percentage, 454. That's not terrible. This report brought to you by State Farm.